Scott Chasen from Kansas 247 Sports. Scott, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're terrific. And, man, let's dive right into this thing. Did did First of all, did you see this coming? Did you see KU making a decision for a uh, to, to, to move forward with a new head football coach, or did you think that they might go through the year with an interim? You know, I, I thought for a while they might go through the year with an interim coach just because Emmett Jones was so popular, uh, not only among players, but uh, it's a real testament to the, his ability as a recruiter, not only, you know, the players who are on campus who like the way he coaches them up, but uh, just that, that he kind of was everywhere. I mean, obviously he specialized in the, the DFW area, but um, you talk to kids all over the country, they had heard from him, even kids not at his position, not in his area. Um, they had great things to say. So I thought there was a chance. Uh, the more and more this thing kind of went along, especially when Travis Goff opened it up and said there was going to be a national search, that was kind of the turning point where you realize, you know, hey, if you go on a national search and you end up with the name you've already got, uh, that's a failure. That, that's a failure of a national search to either identify candidates who are interested or evaluate and, you know, figure out who's out there that you're able to get. So um, just from that perspective, I did expect a new name to be hired. It seemed lately it was going to be Leipold or Munkin. It ended up being Leipold. But, um, you know, I, I think this was the direction this thing had been going. Maybe not for, for too long, but definitely I'd say at least the last few weeks. We were discussing it earlier uh, just at meetings. I mean, so they, if we understand it right, they implemented a new offense. Spring drills are already done. So he immediately comes in, and he's kind of behind the eight ball, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit. There's uh, the spring game, which he's expected to be at. And then I think they technically have one more practice after that. They may have snuck in a practice somewhere where uh, my count would then be off. But if any, it's one, you know, one practice to, to kind of wrap things up. And, you know, I, look, it's, it's still up in the air how many assistants he's going to bring in, how many coordinators he's going to bring in. Uh, but I will say this, what I've heard about Lance Leipold, and I've already been in contact with, former players, media who have covered him, obviously sources during the coaching search, is that his adaptability uh, was among really one of the best traits and one of the things that made him successful. Uh, I I think people think of him as a running kind of ground-and-pound style coach because his team was right up there at the top of the nation in rush yards per game and had a couple or at least one 3,000-yard rushing season at Buffalo. That makes sense. But I also look at his time and see a couple of 3,000-yard passing seasons, which Kansas hasn't had basically since, I think, all the way going back to Todd Reesing. I'd have to imagine. I can't imagine they've had one since. Uh, so that's more than a decade where when the personnel called for it, he said, we're going to throw the ball. When the personnel didn't, he said, we're going to run the ball. And he found ways to have success doing both. So I think he's, a, he's capable of adapting, figuring it out for a year, even if he doesn't get to bring in his guy. I almost think it might be the better thing for Kansas just – to roll with some of the assistants and coaches they've got uh, and then maybe on a, a more traditional timeline change things over. I think that could be a possibility too. So was there a, like a previous connection between golf and Leopold or was this just seeing what he was able to do at the, the D3 level and then seeing what he was able to do at Buffalo? Well, I will say this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting that if you talk to people I would say your casual college football fan, right? Uh, very few knew the name Lance Leipold. Maybe if they did, it's because their program considered hiring him. But if you talk to people in football circles, as I'm sure you know, you do, and, and people who know, and, and especially when, I guess, a coaching search um, becomes a thing, like he, he's a name that, or has a name that gets a lot of buzz. Um, so at first, I, I didn't really notice any candidates. Uh, the one I, I discovered, and, and this is about as, 
Um, you know, it feels like six degrees of separation. I was trying to think the name of it. His agent shares an agent with the Northwestern coach, Pat Fitzgerald, where Travis Goff was previously at as deputy AD. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure that actually means anything. Um, Maybe he was able to do some due diligence by making some calls. Maybe vice versa. He was able to get someone to vouch for him in return. Uh, But I think the bigger thing was reputation and just uh, that there are a lot of smart people out there who know college football very well, who think this is a guy who is, Um, you know, who took a job that you can't win at and found a way to win at. I mean, you know, Buffalo is a place where none of their coaches uh, since their move to the Mac, and I want to say 1999, had had more than one winning season. And he found a way to win six games four years in a row to close out his tenure, including the first 10-win season in program history. Uh, I believe he has four of the top 10 seasons all time at the FBS level for Buffalo. So, uh, you know, he he had a tremendous amount of success in such a short period of time that you know, I, I think his name, his reputation, I think those are really sticking points um, beyond that connection with the agent that he did share with Northwestern's coach. Have you had an opportunity to touch base with any of the recruits to see who get their thoughts on this hire? Yeah, I have actually. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd say at this point probably about a little over half a dozen have gotten back to me. Um, and, and I think a lot more are still kind of figuring it out. And um, some knew about him, some didn't. Uh, I would say the biggest thing, uh, that's I, I think taking place is when they Google him, uh, what, you know, they, they come up with, Hey, this guy had six D three national championships or, Hey, this guy won, has won, you know, 80% of his games or whatever, because he had a, a ridiculous record one Oh nine and six at the D three level. It was the fastest coach to coach to a hundred wins uh, just in terms of number of games at any level of college competition because of what he did at Wisconsin whitewater. I mean, six national titles in eight years, uh, as one of his former players put it to me, I don't care what level that's at. It's insanely impressive. And I, I tend to agree. I mean, it's not the same as winning six national championships at Alabama or whatever. Um, but it's really, really hard to win like that because, you know, no one in the history of the sport at any level ever has. Um, that's why he obviously holds that record. So I think uh, some recruits have been impressed. Some are still interested in learning more about him, particularly the commits. Uh, a lot of them really liked Emmett Jones. And so I think a lot of them are hoping Emmett Jones stays on staff. Uh, Kansas has done a good job setting up two big visit weekends. Uh, one, I think right at the beginning of June and one a little bit later in the month, maybe uh, two or three weeks later. And I think those will be big opportunities for guys to get into Lawrence and see, you know, okay, how do I gel with this new staff? Who's still around? Um, and I think those will end up being very, very important for this KU program because just like you said, I mean, he's a little behind the eight ball, but he doesn't have to be with recruiting just because uh, it's really getting ready to open up, whereas it hasn't uh, obviously been open this year. And with that, the way that Emmett Jones was able to get these kids to buy in and they really want him to still be a part of this staff, if something happens, do you think there's any concern about like a, you know, maybe a fraction or dividing this locker room now? Yeah, I, certainly if, if he didn't stick around, if he didn't want to, I do think that would be probably a, a major concern. So, you know, I, I have to imagine I wasn't in the room, but when conversations were taking place with Leipold, with Munkin, who, you know, by the way, I, I do believe uh, Munkin was a very, very serious candidate and probably very, very close to getting the job. Um, I, I have to imagine there were conversations about, you know, we'll let you bring in your staff, but this is a guy who's very important to keep. And, you know, even then, I'm, I'm not sure how many assistants uh, either coach or anyone would have been allowed to bring in just because one of the financial situation and to the timing, you know, you just wrapped up almost all but one of your spring practices. 
do you really want to now replace every coach and put in all this new, you know, verbiage and terminology and all that stuff. So just from that perspective, I think it's very important for, um, I was going to say whoever the coach is, I guess now it's Leipold, uh, to keep Emmett Jones, to, to keep him happy and to get him to kind of be that guy. I mean, imagine if he shows up at the sideline at the spring game or that last practice, uh, and Emmett Jones walks right up to him, you know, gives him a hug and says, this is my guy. I want this guy here. He is the guy to turn this program around. I mean, that's a huge endorsement for the players. That would, I think, calm a lot of nerves and make people feel, you know, very comfortable, especially if Emmett Jones did stick around. Scott, last thing I have for you, obviously last night was embarrassing for the Big 12, not having anybody picked in the first round. Where Were you surprised by that? And as far as, uh, you know, as the draft continues to progress, where do you see Puka Williams going? Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't totally shocked. I think, like a lot of people, I thought Tevin Jenkins might go um, in the first round. Probably thought he would, actually. But uh, regarding Puka Williams, you know, the thing, I at one point it was as high as a day two projection. That kind of faded with the lack of production over the last year for a number of reasons. He was injured. The offensive line was terrible. Kansas dealt with a lot of issues that, um, you know, went beyond Puka Williams. They, he was the least of their problems. But uh, you know, what I've heard day three to undrafted, which is a bit of a surprise because people in the Big 12 have seen the talent level. Now, there are concerns. He's a smaller guy, even though he's he's a lot stronger than people think. He didn't test out particularly well. I know teams were not uh, thrilled with his pre-draft workouts late. Um, and, th- and then, you know, there are some off-field concerns, too, that I think uh, would definitely probably drop his stock a little bit. But you know, if a team gets him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and, you know, or even as an undrafted guy, it, it's undoubtable he has the talent uh, to make a roster, to, to really make something happen whenever he touches the ball. So I definitely think he'll latch on with the team. It's just a matter of where, uh, you know, the mo- most reliable projections I've heard, fifth, sixth round, that seems to make sense for me, but would not be shocked Maybe a little surprised, but not shocked if he went undrafted. Hey, Scott, man, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for popping on. You're always uh, very kind to us, and we appreciate it. Uh, what do you guys got going on uh, Kansas 247 Sports? Well, a whole bunch of stories. Uh, the most recent thing I wrote, um, and I, I always appreciate you guys having me on, uh, actually looked back to a feature in 2016 that uh, someone at the 247 Sports uh, Network wrote uh, on Lance Leipold and, and just kind of envisioning him uh, his path to the future in, in the first year of the Buffalo rebuild. I, th- I thought it was really interesting to read what he was writing about at the time or, or what he was talking about at the time and what people thought about him. So lots of Lance uh, Lightfold coverage and then spring game coverage tomorrow. Perfect. Hey, appreciate that. Uh, thanks for the time today. Thanks for having me. We'll see you.